Do you like podcasts about movies, television shows, books, games, and pop culture? How about sports like football and tennis? Here at Freaking Geeks Media, one of our many goals is to create a variety of podcasts that you can enjoy listening to. From the Freaking Geeks podcast to Hungry for Hannibal, Friday Night Mics, the American Gods podcast, and Stranger Things, we know that giving you an assortment of options is one of the best ways of bringing you back for more. But it does take quite a bit of work and expense on our end to make these podcasts a reality. Patreon gives us the opportunity to make a living doing what we love. However, to do this, we need your help. By donating as little as a dollar a month, you get access to both past and upcoming Patreon-only content, as well as early access to regular episodes before they appear on iTunes. Other tier rewards include monthly Loot Crate giveaways, access to live broadcasts, Freaking Geeks t-shirts, magnets, and much more. We can honestly say that anything given is greatly appreciated. So, consider supporting us by going to www.patreon.com slash freakinggeeks and check out what we have to offer. We think you'll like what you see and hear. Welcome to the Tennis Addict Podcast, the podcast for tennis fans by tennis fans. Listen as the hosts break down the latest news and tournament results from around the tennis world. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced early each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Here are your hosts, Mike, Eric, and Michael. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host and relative, cousin, friend, opponent on the tennis court, Mike. So, Well, uh, you know, <laughs> it, uh, I mean, I guess, I, I guess you could lump me into all those. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, so, Michael, it's... Um, you know, nice to have you back. I haven't talked to you on the podcast in a little while, so it's it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, yeah, it's been a little while. Uh, lots of lots of things going on, and uh, believe it or not, fans, lots of technical difficulties for the last half an hour before we started today. So uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, we're here. Um, we're hoping that we can. Uh, we we want to have Eric on the whole podcast, but we're hoping to have him kind of jump in. For a short time, yeah, um, he's currently to away. Do our, our U.S. Open draw preview. Um, I don't want to promise it, but we're hoping to. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think he'll be on. We'll message him once we, you know, once we get to the point where we're getting closer to uh, making our our picks and everything, getting into the actual preview and all of that. So uh, once we get to that, uh, Eric will jump in. But uh, all right, so this is great. Um, we get a chance to sit here and talk about the U.S. Open. Obviously, you know the last few weeks have been pretty momentous. Uh, Rafael Nadal winning Toronto, Novak Djokovic winning Cincinnati, completing the the so-called Golden Masters. 
Um, and we have some feedback, which we'll get to here shortly. Uh, this is going to be a, a four-setter in this week's episode because uh, we just have a lot to get to. We have uh, news. Even still, though, it's not going to be that long per se. Uh, the four sets, but not a whole lot going on in the first three. Right, just right. We some got, little tidbits of things. Yeah, and, we've got some news. Like that, we got yeah. some listener feedback. We have some tournament results to talk about, and then we're going to get into our preview. So let's start out with set one, which is going to be the news. All right, Michael. So this was interesting. Alexander Zverev has hired legendary player coach Ivan Lendl in the hopes that it will push him to win Grand Slam titles. Now, we know that Zverev has been uh, a really good player um, in the last you know, 18 months or so, specifically. He has um, found a yes, way. He's won, ma- he's won matches. He's won tournaments. Mm-hmm. But – but it's, it's the Grand Slam. In the last 18 where months, he has struggled on the big stage mightily. He's falling short on the tournaments that matter most, which is the Grand Slams. Um, he's uh, being pushed to five sets often uh, against players that are, I think, outside of his caliber of talent. He should be able to, to take these guys and you know kind of blow them away a lot quicker than he is. He's getting pushed. And, you know, it's a, it's a matter of fitness. It's a matter of X's and O's. It's a matter of uh, mentality and confidence. And from what I've been, you know, reading and hearing, it seems like most people are saying it's, it's just a matter, matter of what's in the head right now. It's his, he needs a different mindset when he's out there playing against some of these players. It doesn't seem like he's able, at least at the moment, to be able to consistently have a certain mentality, which enables him to go. It's like, True, and we've seen him in big matches against none of the top guys, and he's done the same thing, though. I I kind of feel like, in my mind, Zverev, I, I don't want to liken him to someone like a, a, a Malfis or a Fonini. I, I don't want to go that far, but what I want to say is I feel like between the ears for him, it's he has the ability to completely go away between the ears. Mm-hmm. Um much faster than somebody of his caliber should. I I I don't know what to liken it to. I almost want to say, to be honest, I want to liken it maybe closer to Kyrgios, where you can just get off track about what what you're really trying to do, and your mind just kind of goes elsewhere. Which I honestly feel is what happens with Kyrgios is that, I mean, he himself has said that he's gotten bored. Now I don't necessarily want to say that it's that Zverev's getting bored. It's just Zverev has a very set pattern that works when he yeah. plays uh, against you know anybody of a quality opponent. He has a very set way of playing to to win the match. Um, and to be honest, I feel like when Zverev goes out there and Plan A doesn't work, he never has a Plan B. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you feel that way, Mike, but I I honestly feel like for Zverev, he's never gone on the court with more than one option. Of how to win, he's never gone in with more than one game plan. Uh, well, I think you would agree that he struggles mightily to problem solve at times. Yeah, it's true. I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's it's pretty much spot on there. I think with Zverev, the thing is, on t- you know, we could be looking at somebody who is kind of a, a late bloomer in at least at the Grand Slam stage. You know, we've been spoiled 
you know, we've been spoiled over the years. You know, we have, we have to remember something though. Roger was, I believe, what, 23, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. I think when he won his first Wimbledon title. Um, you know, so we have to remember that these guys sometimes take a while, you know, and it's becoming more apparent as the years go by that, that players aren't going to be 20, 21 years old or younger winning Grand Slam titles. I'm not saying it's impossible. It can certainly happen, but... But in this generation, that's not going to happen. It, there's, it's, there's too many older players that are of high quality for that right now. Not to say in the future. I agree that in the future it could happen, but not right now. Not with this generation. Right. And I think this is a good pickup. I think Lendl and Zverev is an excellent combination because... Lendl is going to strengthen Zverev's mindset. He's going to do with for Zverev, hopefully, do for Zverev what he did for Murray. Remember, Murray at one time was just like Zverev. For a majority of his career, Murray was the exact – he was fighting himself on the court. He was getting angry at himself. He wasn't doing what he, he thought he should be doing or at the very least, he wasn't getting the results that he thought he should be getting out there. And then he and Lendl get together and lo and behold, boom, now Andy's suddenly winning gold medals, winning Grand Slam titles. Look, it, it it works. And I'm not saying this is going to guarantee get Zverev across the finish line, but if any coach I think right now is going to get the best out of Zverev, it's going to be Ivan Lendl because he will not accept less than not just your very best. He's going to accept nothing but be- nothing less than the ten percent extra than the very best that you can yeah, give. Absolutely. I so agree. if anybody can do it right now, it's going to be him. And I'm waiting to see if this pays off. I don't think it's going to be in this Grand Slam coming up here. But we'll get to no. that later. But I do no. think in six months at the Australian Open, we could be looking at maybe. Maybe then. And, and, we'll and that depends because we know that Zverev's mentality can be a little abrasive at times, much like Murray, but it's going to be – can Zverev turn that mindset around? Murray, you have to agree, turned his mindset around very quickly and started accepting like, look, I have to do what this guy wants me to do. Well, see, that's the thing. I think that's what Zverev is going to come – look. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, but, but is – we just have to say, is Zverev going to open Well, that? That's all. We'll see. But I will say this just to end it here. I think what we have to remember is that Lendl doesn't have to do any of this stuff. He could, he could go and sit on an island somewhere and just kick back and relax. He doesn't need the aggravation and you know, dealing with some kid who's you know 30 – 30 some years older or younger, I'm sorry, than he is. Uh, he's only going to be doing this if he feels like this is actually going to yield the kind of results he's looking for, for Zverev. And you know what? If Zverev doesn't want to deal with Lendl, then he can go find another coach. But I will say this Lendl isn't going to take any crap. Okay. So, you know, that's why I think the same thing that happened with Murray could happen here. He was going to take crap from Murray and Murray knew that. And so either Murray was going to accept that and just say, okay, fine, I'll give you everything I've got or Lendl was going to walk. And I think the same thing here. Zverev knows he's not an idiot. He's he's an intelligent young guy. He knows that very well that if he doesn't give everything he's got and he doesn't accept 
Lendl's teachings and his philosophy and his strategy and all that stuff right from the get-go. Goodbye. See you later. Hope, uh, hope all goes well with the next coach you pick up. So we'll see. I agree. All right. So uh, WTA news. Uh, the French Tennis Federation has banned Serena Williams' catsuit, which she wore at Roland Garros this year. Now, this has caused a big, a big dust-up online. Um, people are not happy about this. There are a lot of people that are, are spouting, you know, like it's racism, it's, uh, it's sexism. Um, you know, one thing I read is that one of the reasons that Serena wore this was because of her blood clots. She needed to wear compression gear all this year because she, it was necessary. She had to wear it because she didn't want to get blood clots. So the cat suit, while being stylish, also had a practical uh, application. So my question for you, Michael, is this. A, if this was such a big deal, why didn't they announce this in the the weeks after Roland Garros? They could have announced this the week after the Roland Garros. Why announce it like two days before the U.S. Open is going to start. What's that purpose? You know, why do this and why do it at all? It doesn't – it's not like Wimbledon. The French Open is not like Wimbledon. It's not a, a strict adherence to a certain dress code. Um, but now all of a sudden, boom, this this news gets brought out that suddenly Serena can't wear this outfit. Nobody can wear this outfit. In fact, they're going to be employing some some level of restrictions to what you can wear. Yeah. So, so first off, um, I agree with you that if they were going to make these changes or they were going to look into these things, they needed to do it quickly. Now, the only thing that I read that would point me in the direction of saying that they waited until now is that approximately six to eight months before the slams take place, that the, the apparel providers, the, the sponsors, Adidas, Nike, you know, whoever, um, they will actually show, from what I've read, their their garbs for the following season, their plans for what they're planning to do for certain players, for certain you know seasons, the different styles that they're going for. The only thing I can figure, honest honest opinion, I don't know. The only thing I can figure is that um, the Fred, the federation saw some of the things that was going to be used by players next year, and they're like, no, absolutely not, we're stopping this now. Um, that's the only thing that I can think of that would have really been a true and just definition as to why they're doing it. Um, now, the second part of that, um, in my honest opinion, it, it, was it a big deal to me? No. And and to be honest, in some of the things that I read, it's not a big deal that she that, that Serena wore this um, as far as the the fashion of it. Um, I, I don't think that it was anything crazy or out of the ordinary. Um, but in my eyes, like, I don't understand why the French Federation would be upset about it because God knows how many people, you know, tuned in to see this or brought buzz to the tournament because of it. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, in, in my opinion though, um, I think it can be cleared up very simply by stating just sheer, sheer in and out. The doctor's clear Serena has to wear it. Done. Like if, if that's truly the case, 
then she basically gets doctor's approval like she medically needs to wear this to play because of the risk of the clots. Done and over with. So then it's going to be turned back into their hands and saying, all right, well, we're not going to accept that, so we're not going to let her play. Then we have a big issue. You know what I'm saying? Uh, basically, it, it, it then goes outside of the box, and then we really feel as though there is something else going on, um, whether you want to call it shady or whatever. It, there's something else that's causing the issue for them. Um, it, but I, that's – in my honest opinion, that's the biggest thing is that I feel like they saw some of the outfits that you know would possibly be used next year in some of the designs that the, the outfitters have provided for next year. And the French Federation was like, no, we, we've got to stop this. Um, as you said, I did read that um, they are planning to put some restrictions in. But they said, obviously, quote unquote, nothing to the lines of, you know, along the lines of Wimbledon White, period. It's it's nothing along those lines. So in my honest opinion, I I don't know. It's it's just a bunch of hoopla at this point in my eyes. They I I, I don't honestly know. I don't honestly know what the point of doing this all of a sudden was in my eyes, in my, you know, just sitting and pondering the idea. The only thing I can figure is they saw something next year that that was being planned, you know, in the garbs to be worn. And they were like, no, absolutely not. We have to stop this now ahead of time before it ever gets even close to the French Open next year. Possibly. Um, all I can think is that. It, look, there could just be more transparency than what we currently have. You right. know, it's just all of a sudden there's this ban on the cat suit and some general info, but, but nothing that says, okay, look, this is why we're doing this. Uh, let, let's actually explain this so people don't start jumping to conclusions because to a certain extent, that's, that's what we're doing. But, you know, we're just trying to look at the information that we're being given and we're making the most logical assumptions at this point. Uh, when they could just come out and just say, "Hey, look, this is what happened. We, you know, the cat suit, and and then we got some, you know, people were sending in their designs, and now all of a sudden we're thinking it's maybe getting a little too crazy. It's getting a little too, you know, maybe a little too risque. Maybe not quite the the direction we wanted to go. This is a family friendly thing. Da da da. You know, fine if that's the case. At least give us the information so that we understand." Instead of doing what we're doing, which is, well, you know, they could be doing this just to be mean. They could be doing this for any number of reasons, but we don't know yet because they didn't seem to give enough information. The wonderful world of speculation. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's move on to set two. We're going to get into some listener feedback here. We have actually two emails that were sent in. Uh, one is from a uh, from Dave. He sent an email in last week, so this is great. We get a chance to to get some repeat repeat listener feedback again, which is awesome. And we have uh, an email from Victor to get to. So uh, the first one is from Dave. He says, uh, "Hi, tennis crew," and he put in parentheses. I don't know if this is how you, I should or how you should be addressed. Uh, <laughs> But he said, uh, I we've, disagree- we've been called worse. It's okay. <laughs> uh, he said, I, I disagree with Eric's assessment that Novak winning all of the Master one- Series 1000 titles isn't that big of a deal in the long run. I agree with Michael and me, basically, because Eric and I, we did the episode last week, and, and Michael, you were not in. Well, in, the in, in that, I can throw in a, a quick two cents. Okay, go well, ahead. Uh, he says, I agree with Michael in that I, I feel that to win across all of those surfaces means something. It's just like winning all of the slams. It shows that you can win on a variety of surfaces. 
Uh, kudos to Novak, and I'm looking forward to the U.S. Open and your preview. Sincerely, you know, Dave. So, Dave, um, thanks for writing into us and, and giving some repeat uh, feedback, which is great because we love getting feedback. It's just, it's just it's fun to hear uh, people write in and express their thoughts and opinions. Um, uh, Michael, I'm going to let you respond because yeah so you know so just going back into last week's question then that the, him winning the nine master series events is a big deal or not a big deal um as much as it it saddens me to say it obviously you guys know i'm a huge fed fan uh, it's a big deal um i agree with you mike that if you look if you look at it now for djokovic um he's got all nine master series events which are the nine biggest events other than the Grand Slams. He has all four Grand Slams. He's won the year-end championships. Um, I, I mean, there's not a whole lot of spots for him to fill at this point in in his mantle, really. I, I think you would agree. I, I mean, it was oh, that kind of where you were coming from with that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I look at it like, you know. Like, He's won it, Davis Cup, which yeah. um, fans in the future here, we're probably going to have a little bit more of a discussion about maybe later on this year. Um, about the complete overhaul that they've done. Um, we'll do a little more of an in-depth discussion of it at some point. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, all four slams, all Master Series events, the year-end championships, he's won Davis Cup. Uh, I mean, as far as the, you know, basically season as a whole, there's not really a whole lot he hasn't done at this point. No, it's true. Um, I guess my point was – Look, we measure these players based on, you know, how many Grand Slams they've won, how many Wimbledons, how many, you know, all the Grand Slams. And they are the biggest titles. But sometimes we put too much emphasis on those. It's not just about winning the Grand Slams. It's about having a a varied career, a full career. It's about winning other titles. It's not just the Grand Slams. If I win 10 titles in my career and all 10 titles are Grand Slams, well, that's great. I'm a 10-time major champion and that's amazing and and I deserve the accolades and, and to go in the Hall of Fame and all that but you know a fair criticism would be well you know you did great at the Grand Slams but you know you really didn't win anything else so um your career as a whole does not look as encompassed it does, as it would have been otherwise exactly so it's the perfect example yeah. as to why we look at someone like Leighton Hewitt who only won a couple of Grand Slams but we look at him as such a great champion because of the other things that he did um, we look at Andy Roddick, I think is the perfect example of someone we've talked about many times on this podcast of how great of a champion he really was with one Grand Slam title. And consistency. It's, he played, he, it's consistency. Yeah. And he played in, in the the most dominant generation of players ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I mean, if you we, – we've said if you got rid of, of Federer from that equation, Roddick's got 10 Grand Slams more than likely. Yeah, I, I mean that's just the way that it is. And then you're talking about him in a whole different light. But the fact is, he went toe to toe with the greatest players in the history of the game, and he did come out on top occasionally, but not that often. But he, you know, it, it was in a time period where, if he would have played in any other generation with the tools and weapons that he had, he would have dominated. We saw that he was starting to dominate the generation that was there before Federer showed up. Yeah. He, 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 in leaps and bounds, got out in front of everybody else. And then, you know, Federer came in and quickly knocked, knocked him from the pedestal. And 
then continue to 10 years of of basically having it within your grasp and losing it for Roddick every time that he played Roger. It didn't matter what surface, where in the world, it, you know, it was that. But but getting back to, you know, the, the listener feedback, uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate, you know, writing in and write in, write in by all means about our draws today. But basically any to any listeners out there, this is the type of stuff that we want. We want to have these discussions with the fans because Mike and you would agree, although I'm the guy that brings up the what if every week. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like I'm the guy that likes to do that. I'm the guy that likes to go out of the box and just go, all right, well, let's look at this uh, or let's look at it from this angle um, instead of looking in the, you know, the, the, the straightforward way of thinking. Um, this is the type of stuff that we want because you guys are going to come up with different ideas and different thoughts than what we have on a weekly basis. Um, and, and, you know, we've already said on our podcast, we, (laughs) we, we have a lot going on in our lives. We sometimes struggle just to get together to do the podcasts. Um, so there's not always the ability to 100% of the time think about these different things. So when listeners, when you bring your thoughts into the podcast, we're excited because we we want people, the fans, the listeners, to be part of the podcast because that makes it even even better than it already is. Yeah, I agree. All right, thanks, Dave, for sending in yes, your feedback. Yes, thanks, Dave. Uh, all right, so Victor, uh, he writes, uh, "Hi guys, I just found your podcast a few days ago, and I wanted to write in and say hi." Lifelong tennis fan. I've been watching tennis for over 30 years, and I'm excited to find another podcast to get some analysis and opinions. So far, I'm liking how much you expand on topics when you analyze a match or cover a topic. Uh, Look forward to hearing more episodes, Victor. So, uh, Victor, first off, thanks for writing in. Absolutely. Uh, Again, more feedback, uh, the better. Uh, 30 years. that's a lot of time watching tennis, a lot of years. You know, you're going back now into, you know, you're going back into the late 80s at this point. Uh, when around the time you started watching uh, tennis, which would have put you in the, the Yvonne Lendl, uh, Mats Wielander, Agassi uh, stage, uh, the latter part or getting to the latter part of McEnroe and his career. So that's a good place to start and, and you're now it, still it, watching it tennis. Is, it is, and especially because I just turned the 30. So, Victor, <laughs> um, you've been watching tennis as long as I've been alive, which I'll be honest, I'm a little jealous of. I wish I could have been able to watch those generations as they unfolded. Um, I obviously can, from history, be able to go back and watch these things, but you were able to watch it. You know, as it unfolded, which has to have been amazing. Um, I, I really wish that I would have been able to do that. Um, and, you know, to be honest, Victor, we really are excited that you enjoy the, how do I want to say it, Mike, in depth analysis that we're trying to provide <laughs> within the match. Well, we do our best. Because our there's best. been a lot, <laughs> there's been a lot of discussion between the three of us as to how much to really go in depth. Uh, when we talk about matchups and we talk about matches and and the ins and outs of how a match unfolded, yeah, it's true. We we do we we try to balance it out as best we can, but you know we're glad that you like things so far. And obviously, I don't know how many episodes you've listened to, but if you listen to a couple of episodes or whatever, hopefully thus far it's to you know it's to your liking. And obviously, it is, but it continues to be to your liking. And we'll just do our best to keep doing what we're doing and hopefully just 
you know, make it better as time goes on. You know, I've got ideas for the future and, and where we want to take the podcast and changes that might occur, good changes, but changes nevertheless. Yeah. But um, yeah, just keep listening and, and don't be afraid to send in more feedback and we'll be super excited to hear anything you have to say. And certainly with 30 years of, you know, watching te- – over 30 years of watching tennis under your belt, it – um it means you can offer your own analysis because I'm sure you have a lot of great ideas and a lot of great opinions, and we'd like to hear it. So thanks, and yeah, to the, and to the other fans, absolutely, because I mean it, that kind of feedback is the exact stuff we're looking for too. What do you like? What don't you like? If there's things that you really feel you don't like on the podcast, tell us right in. Say maybe you guys should you know do a little bit more of this and a little less of that. By all means, tell us. We're very much open to what the fans want. That's and that's the big part. Well, uh, you know, we 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 really do enjoy talking amongst ourselves um, in an open format like this. But to be honest, it's it's up to you guys. What you want to hear and what you want to hear us talk about is is the most important part. Um, if you guys are enjoying it, then we're doing what we really want to be doing, which is entertaining others. So I mean, that's. That's the biggest part. So please, anybody that's out there listening, please give us feedback. Let us know. How are we doing? What do you want to hear more of? What do you not want to hear about? Is it, is, are we talking about the top guys too much? Huh? I don't think so because we have to, but we understand if that's what she would say, you know, those kind of things. Okay. All right. So we're going to – thanks, uh, thanks, Richter, for again, for sending yes, in the feedback. Thank thanks, uh, everybody, you know, thus far. Uh, he and you both, uh, Victor and Dave, for sending in feedback, and uh, you know we'll, we'll hopefully see you guys next week with more feedback. Uh, all right, so let's move on here. We have set three, which is tournament results. Uh, very briefly here, because there's only two results: one for the ATP and one for the WTA. Uh, Dino Medvedev defeated Stevie Johnson six four six four to win the Winston Salem Open. Uh, this is the first title, I believe, for Medvedev. Uh, so that's a big deal. Um, yeah, I think he's made a couple finals, but I don't think he's ever won one. Yeah. Um, honestly, in my opinion, I, I I was a little disappointed. I really thought Johnson, as well as he played through the tournament, that that was his to win. Um, but Medvedev has showed that he is among that next that, that next tier down of players that are you know up and coming. They show a lot of promise. They have a lot of game. Um, and obviously, you know, picking up his first title now has you know shown that he really is among that echelon below the top guys that that are knocking on the door and, and, and showing that they, they can make an impact and they can have upsets. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, we'll see, uh, what Medvedev does in the future. He's still growing, still getting better. Um, so we'll see, uh, in the WTA, we have, uh, arena Sabalenka defeating Carla Suarez Navarro to win her maiden title at new Haven. So, uh, Sabalenka, uh, she was, in the end stages of Cincinnati actually um, last week. So for her uh, following up what it was obviously a great run there. She's 20 years old, young, uh, apparently has a ton of talent. And then she follows up a great run there, takes that confidence and runs with it and manages to get to the final and defeat a solid opponent in Suarez Navarro at New Haven. Uh, good win for her. It, it's nice to see some new blood, some young blood, you know, some of these other players that aren't quite the household name yet, but they're they're starting to make some waves. 
Yeah, and honestly, Mike, I, I saw her first play last year in the uh, the Fed Cup Finals when Belarus took on the United States. Sabalenka, um, also with with Victoria Azarenka, they they lost, of course, to the United States uh, in the Fed Cup Finals. But I saw Sabalenka play there. Um, honestly, finally another I, I'm I don't want to say finally, but another player that has that same mold similar to Madison Keys, big swings, a lot of power off the serve, off the forehand. Um, she moves pretty well as well. Um, and honestly, if she can continue what she started in the last month or two, she has been getting better progressively. But if she can continue with what she's been doing, maybe she could somehow make a surprise run in New York. And I, I definitely think by the end of the year could possibly be a you know easily into the top 50, if not a ranked player going into the big tournaments. Um you know, going forward, I, I agree with you. A ton of talent um, and someone to watch out for uh, in the in the coming months. Okay. All right. Let's move on now uh, to the fourth and final set. This is the big one. This is the U.S. Open preview. Uh, Michael, so uh, give me what you believe is maybe some of the bigger bigger storylines going in on the ATP side. Um Give well, me I mean, one. On the give ATP me the first side, one. I mean, go go ahead. Well, all right. So the the first one I think for me is can Rafael Nadal defend his title at the U.S. Open this year? Well, of course he can. Uh, it, the matter will be will he? Um, I think the big thing for him um, on on his side of the draw, no Federer, no Djokovic. I mean sure. that's that's plain and simple right there. He doesn't have either on his side of the draw. That's huge for him. Um, he has uh, some guys that are very familiar to him on that side of the draw, but I honestly feel like um, I, I feel like that he could he could definitely make the final again. Um, the question is going to be who who will he face and in what condition will they be in in the final? In, in my opinion, because I honestly feel like um, that the other side of the draw, opposite of him. Um, it, it's, you know, you've got Chilich, you've got Zverev, you've got Djokovic and Federer. Um, and then you have a couple of other guys sprinkled in there, which, you know, could obviously cause big upsets. Um, so like I said, I feel like on the Dahl side, not a whole lot of surprises for him on his side of the draw. So, um, I, I definitely think that it's a good possibility. I think that if you if you're a betting person, betting against him wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea, or betting for him wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I totally agree. I think, you know, Nadal is played well this year. He's played well at every Grand Slam that he's been to. Uh, the Australian Open, just that that issue that he ran into, um, obviously pulling out against Chilich, winning Roland Garros. Coming, you know, within a couple of points of, of making the final of uh, of Wimbledon, obviously, and then going on and in winning Toronto, uh, taking on Stefano Tsitsipas, who is is looking like the real deal right now uh, in terms of the young up and coming players. And so, you know, he didn't play Cincinnati. It was a good uh, warm up at Toronto. Why, you know get more wear and tear on the body. Obviously, he didn't feel he needed it at that point, having won Toronto. So uh, to me, I look at Nadal and I say, okay, you know, he should be confident. He should be ready to go. 
obviously anything can happen, but he's got a, a favorable draw, which should ensure him uh, getting to, you know, the latter stages of the tournament. You know, we're talking at least quarterfinals minimum. Semifinals, probably more than likely uh, at the very least. Uh, so him getting to the final has – it's a really good uh, opportunity to defend the only – well, he hasn't defended anything Grand Slam-wise except for Roland Garros. So it would give him a chance to actually defend a title. Right. So. I completely agree. Um, all right. So let's move on here and uh, – Let's talk about another storyline for the ATP, which is Novak Djokovic is on a run. Uh, nobody would have expected that he was going to win Wimbledon. I don't think he expected it, honestly. Um, so he's now gone from that to to suddenly being a Grand Slam champion again and winning Cincinnati. So my question for you is this. Is Novak back? Or do you feel like there might still be some wobbles before we start seeing the consistently great week-to-week Novak that he used to be? Because you have to remember, in Toronto, he went against Tsitsipas and lost. So, you know, he did have a stumble there, followed it up with a great win, you know, great win in Cincinnati. But, you know, where do you think Novak is really at this I point? I think Novak is about 90% back now. Um, I think when we were at Wimbledon, I think we all said that he's probably not more than about 75% of being back at Wimbledon, and he won. Um, At this point in time, I agree. I don't think that he's completely against being able to be beaten at this point. I don't think that he's at that level, but um, I I think at this point in time, he's about 90% back. Yeah, he had the Sitsi Pass loss, but admittedly, Sitsi Pass was on fire in Toronto. I mean, you, you and I, mm-hmm. uh, we kept an eye on that match. We actually had one of our league matches, and we were talking about him when we played our league match. And you know, Sitsi Pass, and he's another guy here in New York that he could cause a whole pile of upsets in this tournament. Um, but he's gotten himself to the point where he's seated high enough that you know it's not really going to be an issue for him. Uh, uh, for the top guys, at least out of the gate, you know, he's not going to be that dangerous floater, um, which <laughs> there are many a dangerous floaters in this draw this year. Um, but no, I, I think Novak's about 90%, um, at this point in time, do here's the, here's the big question. Will, will he, or won't he, I think to be honest, I kind of peg him in the, him in the doll kind of one and two, uh, or a one a and one B. As far as um, favorites, I I don't have Roger at all as a favorite here. Um, in my honest opinion, I I actually feel like um, Djokovic and Nadal are definitely the two betting favorites in my eyes. I, and I haven't looked at what the true betting favorite is, but I mean, those two are the betting favorites. I, in my honest opinion, if they go to the final, if they would play in the final, I think Djokovic wins again. But, um. It remains to be seen. Uh, there's a lot of tennis to be played, but I I think Djokovic is about back to about ninety percent now. In my honest opinion, if he if he wins this tournament, we could be looking another tear at this point. Mm-hmm. And 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 you and Eric and I have talked about this for the last couple of weeks that if he can get on a run and win a couple of big tournaments again, well, he's now won. Uh, Wimbledon, and he's now won Cincinnati. 
you know, one of the biggest Masters tournaments other than the Grand Slams. If he wins here in New York, I feel like the sky's the limit again for him. Uh, At least in the way that the field is right now, I honestly feel like that's the case. Okay. All right. Um, My my opinion is that – yeah, he's he's close to being back, um, and we'll just have to wait and see exactly what happens. I'm a little leery of saying that at the moment because it, obviously winning Wimbledon, you know, was massive boost to, to his confidence. He just won a Grand Slam title, but at the same time, I feel like there's gonna be a few more wobbles coming throughout the rest of this year. Uh, you might see him stumble inexplicably, in, inexplicably, you know, all of a sudden in a match uh, or a tournament. Um, I'm not saying in this necessarily, but I, I'm thinking there may be a couple of wobbles where he might lose to somebody that you're like, mm, uh, you really shouldn't have lost to that person, but, you know, just had an off day or something. So, because he didn't have a great day against Tsitsipas, independent to a certain extent of how Tsitsipas was playing. In True. that he wasn't playing particularly well. So it's one of those things where, I mean, that can happen to anybody. So that isn't quite indicative of, of anything in particular. But I'm just saying, I feel like in general, there's going to be a few wobbles. Uh, where those wobbles are at, don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, I do think he is relatively close to getting back to, you know, his full potential of, or, or as close as he can get to it right now. So, um, all right, let's move into our bracket breakdown, which is, I guess, what we're going to call it from now on. Uh, when we actually get into, <laughs> we actually get into uh, making our picks and uh, you know all that. So it's bracket breakdown. Um, yeah. So, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, unfortunately, Eric's not going to be joining us. Um, no, uh, for he, the draw. So, he, if yeah. you want, either you or I can kind of throw his picks in there. I don't know whether you want to do them first or last, but. Yeah, we can do them first. Uh, I'll start out with Eric. Um, all right. So Eric uh, made these picks. He said uh, for the quarterfinals, he's having Nadal over uh, Dominic Team, uh, Juan Martín del Potro over John Isner, David Goffin over Nisha Corey, and Federer over Djokovic. In the semis, he has Nadal uh, defeating del Potro and Federer defeating Goffin. And Nadal over Federer in five sets in the final. He can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Michael, you're up next. Why don't you make your picks? All right. So um, for me, uh, I have Andr- Nadal and Anderson in the first quarterfinal. Uh, Del Potro, Warenka in the second quarterfinal. Uh, Chilich Zverev in the third quarterfinal. And Djokovic Federer, who's not going to have Djokovic Federer in that fourth quarterfinal. You're crazy. Um, <laughs> right. But, um, I, I think that that's going to be pretty similar. I think between all of us, I haven't looked at everybody's draws, but, uh, I have Nadal beating Anderson. I have Del Potro beating Marinka. I have Chilich beating Zverev and I have Djokovic beating Federer. Okay. Um, so I have the rematch of Nadal Del Potro semifinal last year. <laughs> um, and then I have Chilich against Djokovic. Two, two matchups we've seen pretty re- recently. That's true. Um, but surprise, surprise, I have Del Potro and Chilich in the final. Wow. Okay. Um, and the reason that I have that, I honestly feel like Djokovic getting through Federer will be a huge uh, break kind of for him to get through that. 
And I kind of feel like by doing so, I'm thinking like that mental lapse might happen and the game might not be there. And I think that's the perfect opportunity for Marin Cilic to step in, get back to the U.S. Open final. Um, and on the other side, I honestly feel like Del Potro was so close last year to beating Nadal. He just didn't have anything in the tank. I think this year the draw you know, works a little better in his favor. And I think Juan Martín Del Potro gets to the final. And I have Juan Martín Del Potro winning his second U.S. Open over Chilich in four sets. Nice. Nice. Okay. Um, no top guys in the final. All right. So, well, that, that's, you know, that'd be really exciting. I'll tell you. I'd love to see, you know, I mean, if, if Nadal uh, can't win and some of these other players can't win, I certainly would love to see the big man win another title uh, after all these years. But I have the feeling you're not going to pick that. Well, no. So here we go. <laughs> all right. So, fans, you understand my frustrations at the end of this podcast, yeah. you see. Yeah. All right. So um, I have I have Nadal facing last year a rematch of last year's final. I have uh, Nadal defeating Kevin Anderson in in this quarterfinal matchup. Um, I just think that uh, Nadal's d- defense is just enough to really nullify Anderson and his serve, and I just feel like Anderson will make some mistakes and really bad moments that'll really give Nadal. Uh, the momentum he needs to take hold of the sets. Um, if we move on, I have Del Potro taking out Stan Wawrinka. I think Stan uh, Stan's getting back to where he he used to be, and I think absolutely, he's, I agree with you, Mike. He's yeah. getting there. He and I think you know Stan makes a good run. Uh, I think honestly, a pretty effortless run, in my opinion, up until that point. But Del Potro's just got too much firepower, and I think it just wears Stan down. And uh, so, but Del Potro wins. Uh, the next one I have Chilich over Alexander Zverev. So, um, you know, I do think that this already begins to yield some results. This, this, uh, coaching job that, um, that, uh, Lendl has. And I think, uh, it pushes Zverev to do more in this tournament. Uh, I think he wants to go in and pressing Lendl, showing him how serious he is about, uh, you know, being the best, winning these titles. Um, that being said, he's also going up against Marin Cilic, who is uh, obviously, I think, at the peak of his powers uh, the last couple of years. Uh, and, I, and I think Cilic takes out Zverev, but it's a good match. In uh, Roger over Novak, um, you know, you and I talked. We had a little discussion uh, post Cincinnati loss about how uh, Cilic, or not Cilic, um, about how. Federer really didn't play all that well, really. No, um, I thought that, he looked 70, 80% at best. Right. Um, I actually, you know, I was watching after, after the match was over. Um, I sat back and I actually looked at a few comments that people had online. And this one guy posted, he goes, when was the last time that you've seen Roger make that many bad returns? Like just not even put them in play. Right. And I agreed. His return was terrible mm-hmm. in that match. Probably the worst I've seen in years. Yeah. Uh, especially since he's made the racket change. That was the worst I've ever seen. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I I don't feel like he was perfect there. And in my honest opinion, um, the back-to-back days because of the rain, I honestly think affected him greatly. 
Um, we, we've said multiple times that even though, you know, Roger is arguably the greatest ever, he is still the oldest guy in the top 10 by far. Oh yeah. Um, he, he has his limits and I think he himself has realized that he has his limits. And I think Cincinnati was the perfect example of that with the reins back to back to back days. It just doesn't work for him. Physically, I don't think he can come back day after day after day. Uh, in the perfect example, he played two matches in one day and then played another one on the uh, so played three matches in two days. It just doesn't compute for him. That the I physically don't think that he can compete at a hundred percent of his ability. Two matches and uh, three matches in two days. I just don't think it's doable for him. So, in my honest opinion. Was he playing at his best? No, but I think the conditions were way against him playing mm-hmm. like that. But arguably, Djokovic did the same thing, and it worked. But Djokovic is also a lot younger than Roger, right. so in my honest opinion, I, uh, I, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Well, that um, and that, and that's why I'm making this pick here. You know, I, I and, think- and I can understand, and I can understand that. Um, I just, I really don't feel like there's a lot of great expectations from Roger here in New York. Um, you know, he. He's he's faltered some this year. He's he's definitely not been what he was last year. Mm-hmm. This year, um, and I kind of feel like um, I don't know. Like in my eyes, and you know, I you know that I'm the Federer guy. I just I just don't see him winning it. I just don't. I don't honestly look at the draw and look at him and say, oh yeah, absolutely, he's going to win it. Right, um, and and I know, and I get look. I mean, as he gets older, obviously it, it's. You know, at some point he won't, and uh, but and honestly, I, for the number two draw, he has a horrible draw. It's a, it's not a great draw for him. It's 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 a daunting draw. It's it's not a good draw for him. But I I just I think Roger wants to make one more final here. Uh, I mean, obviously he wants to win. I think one more U.S. Open, but I think at the very least he wants to get back to the final at least one more time. Uh, more would be great, but I think. That that is what Roger wants. I think he was, he knew he was so close to doing it last year, you know, or at least getting to face Nadal in the semis, uh, last year. And then, you know, hey, who knows? But to me, I think Roger is, you know, he got beat bad in Cincinnati. He didn't play well. He knows it. And I think even Novak knew that he didn't play a very good Roger. And so it's not like he played Roger at his very best and destroyed him. He played Roger, who was playing like at sixty to seventy percent capacity, uh, play wise, and and crushed him. So, you know, to me, I think Roger is going to go into this this match against Novak with a lot of motivation, and to get that disgusting taste of that last match out of his mouth, and and do his best, I think, to stop the the Djokovic train as best he can. And I, I just me. think I'll it's going to be. I'll be rooting you on for that prediction, Mike. And I, I, you know I will. I know, and I just I feel like you know Roger likes challenges, and and this is a big going to be a big challenge to him. And I just think he'll find a way to do it. Uh, and so I'm sorry, it's like taking a while to get through this, but um, all right. So in the semis, I have Nadal taking out Del Potro. Um, again, I and I think this is my thought process on this match. Um, Nadal is a little bit in Del Potro's head now. Uh, their last couple of matches, 
last three matches in particular, well, the last three matches going back to the U.S. Open last year, uh, Roland Garris this year, and then obviously that amazing, you know, match against Opotro at Wimbledon. Each time, except for Roland Garros, Del Potro has been right there. You know, he, he, he's been so close to taking Nadal down. Um, last year at the US Open, he just didn't have the gas, but he had the game. Uh, Roland Garros, you weren't going to beat Nadal at the French Open. Um, even though he gave it a big effort. Wimbledon this year, that was the, that was the gut. The gut crusher. Now, I will say Del Potro could use this as motivation and finally get past a doll, and that could definitely happen. But Bingo, if he my, doesn't, Bingo, you, that's that's why I have it. Right, that's, and I that's know my exact well, reason. But go it, ahead. It goes one way or the other, right? Either he uses that as motivation, or it plants doubt in his mind. And I feel like it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit of a doubt in Del Potro's mind if he gets to a tight moment. At whether it's a break on his serve or whether it's a break on Nadal's serve, and if he can't, if he doesn't come through, or if he doubts in that moment, that could spell doom for him. And I just feel like there's going to be enough of that, just enough in that match, that Nadal squeezes through and gets to the final. But it's going to be a tough one. I mean, I'm talking like a five setter. Um, and then we go to the other side, and I, I think Nadal takes out Marin Cilic. Now you might be saying, okay, if he takes you mean, out, you mean Federer? If he, ta- I'm sorry, Cilic. Federer takes out Marin Cilic. I think if Nadal or if, if Federer gets pa- gets past Djokovic, that's going to be huge for him. And the matchup against Cilic actually is good for Roger because Roger can nullify to a certain extent some of Marin's power because he'll slice and he'll slice and he'll slice and he'll keep Mar- Mar- or Marin back in the court and off balance. And it's going to elicit, I think, enough errors out of Marin Cilic that it's going to it's going to start to frustrate him, and ultimately, I think that will doom Cilic in that fi- semifinal, which give uh, gives us the only time they've never played in a Grand Slam final in any of these tournaments, and that is the U.S. Open. Nadal, so take me on, Roger. That's why you have it. Okay. I don't that have it because I don't have it because of that. I really don't. <laughs> I mean, I was looking at these matches and I was thinking in my head, how are these going to go? How is the matchup? You know, how do I feel like this is going to go? And and I just felt like this is what we end up with. So Nadal, I think, uh, defeats Roger. I do think he wins. It's a it's a four setter, a seven six. Two six six four seven five match, uh, but I think the Djokovic and Chilic match maybe takes a little too much out of Roger Nadal, uh, motivated to retain the title and and defeat Roger, and I think Nadal manages to win. But I do think it's a good match, and I think it's a great run for both players. So there you go. Okay. All right. So after that, uh, eight. Our breakdown of the, of the uh, ATP. Yes, yes, thank um, you. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the WTA. So, Michael, storylines here. Um, can Halep continue her run? Yes. Okay. I'm just that's gonna be that's <laughs> gonna be my answer right there. Yeah. Yes, okay. she can continue her run. I think she'll have a great run here in New York. Uh, very possibly could win the draw, win the tournament. Um, you know, honestly, uh, the monkey's off her back. We said this that once. Once she finally got that breakthrough win, she's still young enough that she can dominate the game for a while. 
Um, I think the biggest point for Halep is going to be managing her schedule, not overplaying too much, not not you know not going to all the little tiny tournaments that she always went, but going to the important tournaments and keeping herself fresh. But my honest opinion, I don't think I ha- that she has to worry about that. I think Darren Cahill will make sure that that happens. Um, and, and to be honest, I think that those two are blossoming into one of the best coach and player relationships I've seen in a very long time. I agree. Oh, I definitely agree. Um, all right. So moving on here, um, what do you feel, without even getting into the draw, what do you feel are Serena's chances in general in this tournament? Um, I think I think Serena has the opportunity to have a very good tournament, but the the hardest part for her is she's she has a very difficult draw. Um, she is seated seventeenth, which is pretty good considering that she wasn't ranked months ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, true. <laughs> um, uh, I, I still feel like Serena goes out there with with expectation. But I don't think she puts the expectation on herself. I think honestly this year, I know that Serena is always like, I expect the best out of myself. But I honestly think she's been a little more realistic this year. I think that she's gone out there and said, you know what, I I think I have a chance to win it all, but I'm not expecting myself to win it all. And, And I know she doesn't always portray that, but I honestly think that she doesn't expect to win it every time she goes out there right now. I think she's realistic enough in her mind to know that. Um, but I think there's, there's a good chance that she could have a good draw here and she uh, – or, or a good run here, I mean. Um, but I honestly don't think she's going to win. I really don't. OK. All right. Yeah, I mean I, I'm just going to say this. I think that she's going to have a good a good run. Uh, generally, I think she'll play well enough that she should be uh, – I think maybe – well, maybe – well. Maybe she'll be happy enough. We'll, we'll see. Um, well, I think I, – and I'll ask you um, as well. Um, I don't believe that you or I have Serena in the quarterfinals. Is that correct? No, I don't have Serena. I, I so think anything my, – my question to you is okay. because she's not in our breakdown, who beats Serena? Mm, I can tell I you. I think you and I both will agree, but I, go ahead. I filled out the entire draw. I did. I did so as well. I, I can actually. I can actually tell you. Um, give me one second. Okay. Yes, I have Halep taking out Serena in the fourth round. As do I. Yeah. I honestly think that right now Halep would give her so many balls mm-hmm. that I honestly feel like the Halep could wear her out physically. Yeah. Right now, right I think now. yes, definitely. Right, right now. Now. Yeah. now, if you talk about Serena six months from now, come Australia, maybe not. Maybe maybe Serena's in. In completely back to 100% and she can blow Halep off the court like she has before. Correct. But right now, I think Halep has too much confidence and too much game right now for Serena to get through. Not to mention that we're always going to have that quote-unquote emotional battle if Serena and Venus play in the third round prior to that. Oh, definitely. Oh, I, I definitely what agree. I have as yeah. well. So, yeah. All right, so let's get into the actual draw. I'm going to start out with Eric's picks. We'll do what we did before in the same order. Um, all right, so uh, quarterfinals, Serena uh, defeating Pliskova. Uh, so that that's definitely an interesting pick there. Uh, Svitolina defeating uh, uh, Elise Mertens. Uh, Alina Svitolina versus Elise Mertens. 
and Svitolina winning, Madison Keys defeating Maria Sharapova, and Caroline Wozniacki defeating Daria Kazakina. In the semis, he has Svitolina defeating Serena, Madison Keys defeating Wozniacki, and in the final, Svitolina defeating Madison Keys in three sets. Mike, this looks like a draw I might have filled out, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> oh, I'm sure Eric will love hearing that. <laughs> I'm sure that he will. I'm sure that he will. That looks like something that I would have thrown out like uh, last year or the year before. In fact, I do believe I had Spitalina winning the tournament last year, I think. I think so. I can't remember I think. for sure. Okay. Uh, but I would be all right with that. I'm, I'm still waiting for Spitalina to to eclipse her own success. Mm-hmm. She is um, – I, I liken her exactly to Alexander Zverev at this point, uh, except that she is more consistent out of the slams than he is, though, in my honest opinion. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we we shall see on that one. <laughs> yeah, we will see for sure. Uh, all right, so let's move on to yours, Mike. Why don't you take it away? All right, so on my draw on the women's side, as I said, I do have Hal beating Serena in the fourth round, so... We have Simona Halep, uh, Ash Barty, uh, first quarter. We have Elise Mertens and Alina Svitolina in the second quarter. I have Caroline Garcia against Madison Keys in the third. And I have Sabalenka. Ooh. Ooh. Did we hear that name earlier? Yes, we did hear the – Against uh, Caroline yep. Wozniacki mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter final. Um, yeah. Uh, you see, I likened that from earlier. I uh, see that. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, <laughs> I do have Halep beating Ash Barty in the first quarterfinal to face Elise Mertens, who I have beating Svitolina uh, to get to the semis. And then I have Madison Keys defeating Garcia. And I have Sabalenka reaching the semifinal Ooh. in her first main draw at the U.S. Open. Interesting. You heard that. Uh, uh, beating um, uh, beating Caroline Wozniacki. Um Halep Mertens, I have Halep getting to the final. Um, I honestly just feel like at this point in time, it's just really difficult at this point for someone to stop Halep. Just so much confidence uh, now. And I have Madison Keys beating Sabalenka in probably the most slugfest match you will ever see. These two will probably rip a cover off the ball at some point, literally. Um, (laughs) So Halep Keys final... And I have keys, and this might be a sentimental pick, uh, you know, making it back to the final and winning it this year, um, overcoming what she had last year and in the terrible, terrible event that took place last year uh, uh, with Madison obviously not being at 100 percent and Sloan Stevens playing out of her mind last year. So, uh, Mike, I do have one other uh, one other question Um before you do your draw, okay. uh, something we didn't have in the breakdown. We talked about Nadal as defending champion. What about Sloan Stevens? We didn't bring her up at all. Um, and, and that's kind of the point that yeah. I wanted to make. Uh, Why would we bring up Sloan Stevens? Well, that's a good one, and we probably should have brought that up. So can Sloan do it? Uh, I think she can. Look, she she had a great run at the, at the French Open this year, uh, arguably should have won that match. Um, a pointer, I think a point or two away from really having a commanding lead in that second set, a truly commanding uh, lead. Uh, but how turned it around? She had a solid run at Wimbledon. So I think she's shown more 
consistency this year, maybe, than she did last I, year. Last I don't year. know about all that jazz because other than those events, mm. she struggled. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess she did, I guess, struggle with some of the other tournaments. Well, I don't know. I it, It's still in my mind. I still look at it as it was a very fairy tale run last year, and Madison Key should have won the match. But she was not 100%. We saw her get hurt in the semifinal. She was not 100% going into the final, and you could tell. And Sloan literally just managed the moment mm-hmm. and got through. Yeah. In my yeah. honest opinion, I almost, in my honest opinion, feel like Sloane Stevens, the closest men's matchup for her as far as the way that it unfolded is Marin Cilic. Marin Cilic was the successfully able to win the U.S. Open because Nisha Corey was completely spent and had nothing left. Similar to that, he's injured, not able to be 100% to go against Sloane, who is a great defender, and obviously she needed to be at 100% to beat her. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think she can do it. I just don't think she will. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, uh, go into my picks. So, uh, my quarterfinal picks are Simona Halep over Ashley Barty. Um, I just, you know, Halep, Barty's a good player, but I think Halep is just on a different level right now. I actually have Sloane Stevens defeating Jennifer Brady. To make it to the semis, you know, I almost had Brady uh, yeah. getting through there. To be honest, mm-hmm. uh, Brady's got a lot of power. Uh, she she made a good run. I think a couple of years ago, um, I think she made to that. I want to say the quarterfinals, maybe at the U.S. Open, something like that. She had a really good run. Um, and then I have Angelique Kerber defeating Yelena Ostapenko. Um, I feel like Ostapenko is getting more consistent across all surfaces now, and she's got all that power. She which is, is she amazing. Is. Yeah, she can over, she can out hit anybody on tour, but, but she the can also is she can out hit herself. Yeah, she can out hit herself. So, but I do think she makes a good run. But Kerber takes her down in the quarters, and then I have Petra Kvitova defeating Kiki Burton's to get okay. to the semis. Uh, semifinals. I have Simona Halep taking out Sloane Stevens. I, I look. Halep is inside Sloane's head now. Right? Oh, she absolutely. Just, she just is, and you know she she played a great match a few weeks ago in Toronto. Uh, Sloane certainly showed more backbone in that match than she had. I, I she had any right to. Well, not, not that's probably not the way to phrase it. She showed more backbone than I thought she would. Put it that way. Because the way she lost that first set, it just looked like it was going to be a quick, quick match. And yeah, she turned it around. Um, All credit to Darren Cahill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I have Angelique Kerber defeating Petra Kvitova, the Battle of the Lefties. So that'll be a fun match uh, given how much uh, power K- uh, Kvitova has. But then we know Kerber can get back uh, a bajillion balls, much like Halep, which leads us to the Halep and Kerber final. Two players that have a ton of defensive capabilities, uh, but also have enough power to, you know, knock the players back a little bit. That I'll being be honest, said, Mike, if that happens, that will be an absolute war. That to me, attrition. yes, this is going to be a match where I think Halep, however, has more power than Kerber. And she has about as good, if not as good a defense, I think, as Kerber has. So I think that extra power and just that grit that, that Halep has 
it's going to get her through this match. It's going to be a three-setter, 7-6, 3-6, 6-2 to Halep. Halep wins her second Grand Slam of the year. And, you know, we could be looking at a player who pretty much dominates over the next two to three years. Uh, if she were to, you know, pick up this title, she could really cement herself. Oh, so, yes. I, I forgot to throw mine in there. Uh, Keys, three sets over Halep. In oh, my final okay. Well. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's it, Mike. Um I good agree. Match. Um, uh, tennis good, fans, good uh, let's gear up. We uh, yeah. we start the U.S. Open tomorrow, mm-hmm. and uh, we can only hope that uh, the tournament lives up to the hype as as always mm-hmm. under the big lights. Um, I do believe that I read that Rafael Nadal and Serena Williams will open up the night session mm-hmm. on the opening night. Yep. So let's see how it happens and unfolds. Yep. And uh, let's let everyone know we went to the U.S. Open last year. This year, unfortunately, we are unable to attend this year. Yeah. Um, I don't think any of us are going this year, uh, uh, we're surprisingly. Not, yeah. We're not enough. going, which is surprising. We usually which make Which is surprising it. for her because for quite a while, we all talked about like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to go this day or this day and we're going to go do – yeah. And we ended up none of us going. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I mean you're just coming off your trip to Spain. Yeah. Uh, Eric's – Eric's always going to have a hard time going with his work schedule this time of year, and it just didn't work out for my wife and I to go this year. Um, obviously, with our newborn, it's not a little newborn, tough. It's she's a little one tough. now. But, yeah. Um, you know, at this point in time, like you know, we're we're kind of feeling like spending time with her is the most important thing right now. So, um, next year I think will be a more definite yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know the logistics of who will be there and when. But you will get some kind of report from us from New York next year. <laughs> yes, yes, we will be at New York and we will be covering, you know, our the event in, in our we'll, escapades in New York. Yeah, so we'll do what we did last year. You'll get our firsthand account uh, while we're at the uh, tournament, and you know, we'll do what we did last year, which was a lot of fun. All right, so check uh, out uh, all the events um, of the next uh, you know week or so, all the matches, and certainly right into the podcast. Let us know what you think of everything that's going down, all the crazy stuff that happens at Flushing Meadows, and look for our mid-tournament breakdown, and we'll see you guys next time. And remember, tennis fans, the lights are brightest in New York. <laughs> they, they definitely are. All right, we'll see you guys later. Everyone knows that iTunes reviews really helps their podcast reach more people. But did you know that rating and reviewing us on iTunes will benefit you as well? Every month we'll be noting who rated and reviewed us across all of our podcasts. Doing so will put you in the running for a gift from our sponsor, Spindlecraft. If you rate and review one of our podcasts, you will gain one entry. If you rate two, you gain two entries, and so on. This allows us to give a little something back for taking the time to rate and review our podcasts. You'll continue to be eligible to win each month for six months, or until the sponsorship ends. Winners will not be authorized to win again. It only takes a few minutes, but we think it's worth it. You should, too. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Addict Podcast by Freaking Geeks Media. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com forward slash Freaking Geeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps. If you would like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to TennisAddictPodcast at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanik or at Freak Geeks.
Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.